Yo! <laughs> What's up, everyone? How you doing? We're back for another TTO. I am pretty sure I fixed the audio for you guys this time. I'm excited for this one. Uh, this is actually a personal friend of mine. Me and Jim go way back, and this is kind of back to this whole... This whole idea I've been telling you guys consistently of we're out here as Bitcoiners trying to win the hearts and minds of people. And I think the best way to do this is by relating stories about how Bitcoin has changed your life, about Bitcoin giving you a new life, about the opportunities that Bitcoin has offered you and does offer you all by the simple transformation of stacking sats. So without further ado, let me just bring in my buddy, Jim. We are already kind of having a good conversation behind the scenes. So without further ado, Jim, so honored for you to be here. Um, just say what's up to the people, and then we'll get into some of the topics that I have already. Well, dude, I'm honored that you have me on. I mean, I'm just a regular guy. As you know, uh, we we go back like three or four years at least at this point. And a little side note for those who would care, uh, Optim Optimus and I shared an apartment last year in Miami uh, on an estate with another apartment and, a, and another big house and six other Bitcoiners and a built-in pool and a hot tub. And it was pretty damn cool. <laughs> so, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, Bitcoin will change your life, folks. And uh, I guess we're here to talk about that. So, you know, thanks yep. for having me on, man. No worries. No worries. And uh, Jim wanted to do a PSA before we got into this that yeah. uh, Jim is a boomer. So oh, forgive yeah. him. <laughs> you know, we're millennials. We're Zoomers out here. But... I still think, nonetheless, that Bitcoin will not only change us young people's lives, it will change your parents' lives. So share this one with your parents out there. Share this one with the with the older crowd because I am almost positive we're going to be giving you guys some good stories in regards to uh, to why we Bitcoin and how Bitcoin changes your life. So first and foremost, you kind of mentioned it already. We have been to a few Bitcoin conferences together. Last year, we were in Miami. We roomed together. It was an awesome time with a bunch of also awesome Bitcoiners. Some of them actually hang out in the chat every once in a while. Shouts out to Vake. But I really want to go back, way back, way, way, way back to when I first went to my very first conference, and that was Bitblock Boom 2020. And it's very interesting, considering now that I'm on Simply Bitcoin, it's a full circle moment here. Um, I remember we were sitting in Bitcoin kindergarten on Discord after a show. It was late night. We were we were all just sitting there shooting the shit. And you just you kind of went on the like a like the bit block boom shill on us. And you just you were you were so excited to go to the conference and, and you were just trying to not only convince us, but also show us why we should go. And it happened that me and Nico were sitting in the Discord. We had never met before in real life. We've been sitting on on uh, Discord for, I don't know, like at least six months to a year. We've all been hanging out at the same time. You know, we considered each other friends. And you just kept telling us like, yo, you guys want to go to this conference. I'm telling you, this is where you want to be. These are around these. You're going to be around the people you want to be around. And Nico was like, yo, Opti, like if you buy a ticket to fly out to Dallas to Bitblock Boom, I will get the hotel room and you can stay with me. And at the time I was like, oh, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I really want to go. And then Jim, you kind of just like gave us the spiel of like, this is where you want to be. And then what? Now it's uh, two, three years later. I'm working with Nico 
and it just it just blows my mind that literally going to a conference, hanging out with your friends has 100% changed my life. So I think maybe let's uh let's start with uh, what you told us that night. Why should people go to conferences? What's the value of this stuff? Why why do you want to be around Bitcoiners so much? Well, you end up meeting your extended family that you haven't met yet that's out there in the world. And and I say that because what I what I've found is that the people that gravitate towards Bitcoin that are willing to spend some money to go to one of these conferences are the people that are very passionate about it. They understand what it is, what it could mean. And they come to that because they have a certain ideal ideology about life in general and about the world. And so what I find is a fairly homogeneous crowd of people, like-minded people, obviously not on everything. And there's some people that really spar with each other in the Bitcoin space, even though they're they both might be Bitcoin maximalists. They, you know, certain people still don't like each other. But the point is, <clears throat> it's kind of amazing. And I said this to you guys. I go, you're not going to understand until you go. And and that's all I can say is that anybody who goes comes away and says the exact same thing. Holy crap, that was so worth it. The <clears throat> and and this particular conference, Bitblock Boom. If you go this year. I think I have a referral code, uh, Surfer Jim. You get 10% off if you get a ticket. I'm pretty sure I'm in the system somewhere. Um, but it's a great conference, right? It's small, uh, relatively small compared to, certainly compared to uh, the one in Miami we were at last year. Uh, and you get a lot of time hanging out with anybody. I mean, everybody's accessible. All the speakers, as famous as they might be online or on Twitter or anywhere else, they're very accessible. You, they're at dinners, after parties, uh, walking in the hallways after their talks they're just very accessible and you become legitimate friends with these people i mean i know a lot of very well-known people in the space who i actually consider pretty good friends i have some of their personal phone numbers now because we really do resonate you you know you become friends little friends hanging out i i was uh i mentioned this on one of the spaces the other day uh neil jacobs was in there and we had known each other for a while but this pacific bitcoin conference a month ago or back in november um Myself, this other guy, Jimmy, a friend of mine that lives in Baja, and another girl named Isabel, we found ourselves at the same place at the same time, all wanting to get dinner. We then ended up spending like three hours together. None of us planned that. But we all knew each other, and we were all friends. But it was just like a really cool just hanging out with three of your friends evening. And then we went somewhere else and met up with like eight other people and hung out. You know what I mean? Like, And so it's just such a social thing. And then... You know, we're we're trying to build around a really in, important uh, discovery called Bitcoin. The idea that the whole world should know about this because it levels the playing field. I'm, I'll cut right to the chase. Bitcoin is super important because it allows everybody financial sovereignty, and that takes a lot of power away from people right now that control money and then they're, therefore control people's lives and start wars and all kinds of stuff. So there's a whole passion behind why we care about Bitcoin, and it brings us together brings like-minded people together. And then true worldwide friendships develop. I'm kind of blown away. I lived my whole life on Long Island, uh, New York. You know, you end up with several hundred friends in your life, maybe over a lifetime, you know, that all live nearby. And uh, I doubled or tripled the amount of friends. I mean, maybe they're not all close friends, obviously. A lot of them are acquaintances, people I know, but I've met. But they're all over the world now. I know people all over the world who have offered me like a couch or an extra bedroom to sleep in if I come visit. Like this is amazing. Like how did that happen? We just both like Bitcoin. We met somewhere. We we hit it off. We have a common interest. Whatever it might be, 
And it just is blowing my mind. I mean, every week I meet new people. Every time I go to a meetup or a conference, I always meet new people. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that's a long, drawn-out way to say it. Just go to the conferences and meet your extended worldwide Bitcoin family because they're out there. And you're going to love some of them. And some of them are going to be your best friends. You're not even going <laughs> to realize, like, how the hell did that? Yeah, I met them at a conference. We've been friends for the last 20 years. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, man. Anyway, Without a ahead. doubt. Without a doubt. No, I mean, I... Uh... This is more of a thought I've had last year. So um, not only am I always constantly around Bitcoiners, but it's like you said, it really blows my mind that I have a worldwide network of people that I know not only get me, but also view the world in the same way. And I understand that if I ever really was in their area or something, you know, I was, I was in their neighborhood, I could probably either tweet something out or DM someone. And I'm pretty sure everywhere around the world, I know people. And just like you said, you know, you, you're, you said you're from long Island. I never really left my hometown until recently. And I, I always considered myself just living in a bubble. And now that bubble is literally the whole globe. And that's because as yeah, and that's because as my friend Weinekis, you know Weinekis, he always says, yeah, like, have you have you guys ever taken a moment to just like realize that we're all friends and we all know each other just because we like the same money? Like, and we laugh about it every single time. It's like we just <laughs> like the same money, and now we have a global uh, network. It's, wait, wait, uh, let's expand on that though. It's way more than the same money. <laughs> I what agree. this money represents, and you know that, of course. It's funny the way he puts it. And Weinekis is a great guy, <laughs> and I I got to give him props. I mean. The, the guy has been traveling for months, if not years. He and and going back to something you said, you can go anywhere in the world today, almost anywhere in the world today, and just announce online you're a Bitcoiner in this town, and some other Bitcoiner as close as possible to that town is going to reach out and offer you like come over for dinner. Like it's incredible. I mean, you don't have to have ever known them that connection. But it, again, it's way beyond just money. Obviously, um, Bitcoin. Well, I think of Bitcoin as much more than just money, but it, it functions as a as a worldwide digital money that nobody controls. Um, th that concept um, affects society, affects economics, affects individuals in unique ways. Uh, and certainly, as as I mentioned earlier, the idea that you can have a type of financial sovereignty that you were never afforded before because of the way monetary systems have worked for thousands of years. Um, it changes the game. It changes lives. It, it changes the world, essentially. And so the connection to these other people around the world is way more than this money that, you know, some of us uh, who saw it early, you know, people way before me, especially who were able to accumulate a bunch of these Bitcoin are going to be fairly wealthy someday in terms of their spending power, having held on to it because of what it's likely to what it's likely to do that, you know, the individual units are likely to have more purchasing power in the future. So that if you have some now and you hold it out into the future, it, it's probably going to be a very good way to save your value. Uh, you know, these are these are economic concepts. These are the kind of things that the average person doesn't think of regarding their money. Most people don't know how money even works, where it comes from or anything. You know, as Bitcoiners, you know, you you end up, this is one of these things that happens. You, you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as we say, and you start learning about things you never thought you'd even care about. Like, how does money work? Where does it come from? All these things. And why is Bitcoin such a good money? And as an older guy, I spent my life in the fiat system, uh, you know, took in the normal TV news, watched things like the Internet come from nowhere to what it is today. And so I have this very, you know, long, many years worth of 
vision of what what's happened on this planet at least in my lifetime and then of course whatever history i learned before that and it wasn't until bitcoin came along that i actually could see parts of the world that were hidden to me because the the education around money and the way it works and and who controls it and where it comes from was not easy to find it certainly wasn't taught to me in school and the people who have that information or at least can or at least control the money you know the, the information's out there but the people who control the money don't want you to know how it works really it's like the wizard of oz and the, the man behind the curtain and you know it wasn't until my 50s unfortunately that i learned about bitcoin and i learned about so many other things and all of a sudden i see the world so differently but i also see my own future differently and i'm, I'm actually a lot more optimistic even though the world's going to shit i hope i can say that um <laughs> yeah you're yeah good. no like you know like things haven't been looking up for the last couple of years uh for a lot of reasons as we all know um but um i personally am optimistic because of what i see bitcoin doing uh for me personally since i have some but also what i think it's going to do for the world in uh, you know as a monetary system that can benefit everybody i, I just think a lot of things are going to improve for a lot of people and i think that's a cool thing and i'm happy to be around to maybe see a bunch of it happen a guy like yourself who's a bunch younger you're going to see a lot more changes by the time you get to my age or older um yeah it's, it's crazy i've got i probably got two life life two of your lifetimes maybe i don't know your exact <laughs> age but i think i'm probably twice as old as you dude so you got you got a lot to look forward to <laughs> yeah, yeah actually uh that's a perfect segue but jim your your uh your camera's lagging a little bit would you mind pressing v and i might turn off v? and maybe your audio will work a little better so um, yeah. Okay, I don't need the. Uh, the I guess it doesn't matter. Let's just go press it again. We'll just see. I think I'm still getting some popping. Apologies, guys. We're trying I to fix this. Hear it. I don't. Yeah, hear I don't know it. if it's. I don't know if it's going through the stream or if it's just on my end. But uh, hit me in the chat. Let me know. This one at least is listenable. But you said something, and I literally have this in my notes, and I felt the same exact thing in my life, even though I am half your age. Um, and you said it, you said it perfectly. And this is literally how I have it in my notes. And I knew that this would be a great talking point. And it's the second life with Bitcoin. There's something about like, I, I, again, I hate to get like religious on here guys, but like, there's like, uh, you know, before Bitcoin and then yeah, after Bitcoin it's, it's and it really does feel like you're given a second life. Once you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, once you really understand why you hodl, it not only gives you, uh, you know, the the savings and the opportunity to invest and risk in yourself, something that you've always wanted to do, but it also, like you said, it reboots your brain. And I don't know, you look you look at the world completely differently. It, I, I really don't know how to explain it more than that. Like you have to hodl to understand what I'm saying, but you got to understand why you hodl and exactly. understand Bitcoin to to even get over that hump. And it's like. This is why I do this show and this is why I wanted to do this series and and this is what I always talk about because like there's a real I don't know psychological or or DNA changing aspect of Bitcoin <laughs> that is really hard to explain and this is why the cultural aspect is so interesting to me because I say it all the time if it can change my life then I know it can change everyone else's life out there it's just like you just got to be true to the hodl you got to you know sacrifice and be consistent and persistent and everything else will fall into place it's like we have the 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 joke of like sell your chairs you know like yeah, sell yeah. everything that is frivolous in your life audit yourself Dude, get to the so bare bones yeah. and you're going to completely live a whole nother life and i've noticed this in yourself as well like you 
are literally on your second life of Bitcoin. And I mean, I'm younger than you and I still feel the same way. Like before Bitcoin, before joining Simply Bitcoin is like a totally different life. Like this is surreal for me now. And we were kind of joking about this in the beginning. It's like, like, what about the complain about? Like I live in Bitcoin or I work in Bitcoin now. Like my life is Bitcoin. I, I'm, I, I say it every morning. I'm just blessed to be here. I'm honored and humbled that this is where I'm at. And I, I'm just I'm really excited for what the future holds. And then also these effects on the rest of society. And I I. Bitcoin really is that bright orange future. It, it like again, you have to huddle and experience this for yourself. I, I like I can't really tell you about it. I can tell you and try to relate our experiences as we say, you know, win the hearts and minds of the of the average person out there with our personal stories, our life-changing stories. But it it really feels like Bitcoin gives you a second life and it's totally. it's absolutely amazing. So I learned about something called time preference, right? So I now have a lower time preference. I I believe I'm going to live a, a, a good amount of additional years. And I really care to plan uh, for those years to, to and to live comfortably and well. And when you consider um, how you can use Bitcoin to help make that work out for your own future, it gives you the hope that it, that it can work out because Bitcoin is a, a way to save value out into the future where it can't be debased. Now, you know, people will argue all day long the value of Bitcoin goes up and down all the time. Yeah, on its way up, okay? Uh, when you consider what it was worth, uh, you know, 14 years ago, nothing. And now it's, uh, what? let's see, look at the chart, 21,300 for a single Bitcoin. That's pretty good. Uh, if you'd been holding on for 14 years, that's not that long. Several million percent return, <laughs> you know, on a couple penny investment, I guess, right? It's pretty insane to think about. Um, but what people don't, you know, why the average person and certainly a lot of people my age don't get it is because they don't really understand what it is. You know, you say it's a money, you say it's a digital money, you say it's a decentralized, you know, decentralized. What does that really mean, decentralized? The average person can't really wrap their head around that. And and so it requires a, a little bit of education. And I say that facetiously because, you know, if you really want to get Bitcoin, it kind of requires a lot of education. I hate to say it. I don't want to make it hard on people, but the reality is, man, you really, you really want to get Bitcoin. Uh, Ten hours will get you pretty far, but a hundred will really make a difference. You'll get a lot if you put in a hundred hours of podcasts and a book or two. It'll really come clear why this matters so much. But there, you'll learn a lot of stuff. It'll cover a lot of different different disciplines, you know, like general economics and specifically monetary economics, and then of course monetary history, and then um uh, distributed networks and uh, um cryptography uh you know you'll learn about something called hashing whole crazy concept that never knew existed until i heard about bitcoin but i totally know what it is now i could actually explain what it is so like it's very interesting uh, just really quickly i'll say that as a as a kid growing up i tell the story a lot so uh when i was growing up i like to take things apart to see how they worked i had this natural curiosity and it's been my life like I ended up being a builder of custom homes because I like to know how things work and I learned how to build houses. And so I just, it's fun. It's like putting together a model, only it's really big. And I used to do that as a kid. I used to put together plastic models and all that kind of stuff was really interesting to me. So when I learned about Bitcoin, I had to like learn about how it worked inside, but it's a, it's a digital thing online. So the learning process was a little different. It was no real hands-on, like taking something apart, but you know, um, metaphorically you can still take it apart you can learn about the different parts of bitcoin and why those of us who understand the network and trust it recognize that the qualities that are are said that the bitcoin network is said to have are actually there 
you know, what makes up the, the various important qualities of Bitcoin. It takes a little while to understand it, but that's what I did. I had to do that work. So for me, I dug deep into the technical aspect of it and, and I learned some stuff that I never thought I'd ever care to learn. But in doing so, this like, you know, epiphany happened where I saw how important Bitcoin is, how it's not likely to ever be stopped by any person or government, especially now. Every year that it keeps going, it gets more resilient to breaking or being attacked or anything else. So and, and you know, this takes a while to learn why that's the facts. Right. There's there's reasons why that's a basically a true statement. No guarantees about the future on anything in this life, obviously. But Bitcoin has resisted a lot in its growth and. And there's a high likelihood it's going to be here for many, many years, decades, hundreds of years, potentially thousands. And in in over that period of time, each individual unit of Bitcoin will will grow in its ability to purchase goods and services. So the more of those units you own uh, and get them now while they're cheap in the future, you'll probably be able to buy much more than the money you gave up to get them now. Uh, you know, it's a simple concept, but it takes a lot to believe that that could happen and that requires learning what bitcoin is and how it works a little bit and to, to whatever extent you as a technical or non-technical person needs to know all that information is out there and you know go down that road and and learn it you know uh i don't know what else to say i'd be happy to start explaining it now but that's not necessarily <laughs> the point of the show no, no, i'm just no, trying no. to give like that overview perspective like i had to go through this and i'm just to be honest anybody who's looking I'm, i just turned 62 and so you know like but I, I look at my life, I'm like, all right, it's two-thirds over, maybe even less. I can go to 100. I can go more than 100. I got healthier because of Bitcoin. I, if you want to go down that road, I'll tell that story. But I literally yeah, got will. way we'll get, healthier. We'll get there. We'll get there. Right? So I'm way more optimistic about my future. I think I'm going to live way longer than I maybe ever thought. Right? So, like, a lot of shit. There's a lot going on here. All right. I'll let you go back to asking me questions. No, Sorry. no. I, I, I love it. This is. I think this is what people need to hear. And and also, I, I'm the same way. I I had to. And I'm. this is actually a question that, that I've been thinking about. I'm going to ask you. And, and I, I think we're kind of on the same page. And. I'm, I'm going to be surprised if you say something uh, that is surprising in this regard, but I'm the same way. I had to break things down. Uh, I had to listen to like, you know, 40 hours of podcast a week for, I don't know, months just so I, I could grok Bitcoin just because that's who, that's how I am as well. Like I wanted to understand Bitcoin as much as humanly possible, or better yet, as much as I could at the moment. I obviously, yeah. I couldn't understand half the stuff I was listening to in the beginning. And then the more I learned, the more I could iterate on this message. But I kind of understand, or I'm, I'm starting to realize that like, that is the the learning curve, that is the hurdle. And I really do believe that like Bitcoin is, is fundamentally pretty easy. Like you just need to hold Bitcoin. So I am very much the same way as you. Like I'm a hands-on type of person. I, you know, I, I can read a book and I have to read it like three or four times before, before like the information really settles in. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, like, do you think that people can understand Bitcoin simply by just holding Bitcoin, by like not selling it, by by simply just experiencing Bitcoin without having to do the whole 40 hours, you know, 100 hours, uh, thousands of hours of education. Do you think that for just, I'm, I'm trying to get in the mind of the average person out there. And, yeah, so. <laughs> you know, like the person in the rat race probably doesn't have the time or rather the energy, the creative juices to study something else. But if we get Bitcoin into their hands and they just, you know, basically listen to the mantras of like, stay humble, stack sats, huddle these Bitcoins. Do you think over time they will become Bitcoiners or do they have to 
learn about Bitcoin like we we did? Yeah, so it's a really broad answer because it's going to be a little different for every person. But I would say it in this way, right, based on the way you pose the question. Um, they have to first have a reason to want to hold some, a novelty. You know, it was a gift and they want to cherish it or they want to see if it goes anywhere. You know, they're testing the waters. So, like, it kind of depends on what the, the reason they're even willing to have it in the first place and I think that would tie into how aggressive they would be to want to acquire more, depending on their analysis after they get some. And so it's not just going to happen by osmosis because they won't learn anything unless they stay plugged in. They have to they have to be exposed to new information as to what Bitcoin is and why it matters. If all they look at is the price, they'll only be happy if the price is going up. So that's not going to help them hold on to that Bitcoin for the long time, even if they're hearing a few memes about hodling and stuff like that. If they don't know why they're hodling, they, you know, those are the weak hands. Those are the ones that sell panic, whatever. They don't believe in it. They lose faith. It just depends. I think ultimately that your faith grows with your knowledge. So the more you know about any aspect of Bitcoin, every aspect, any aspect, it will improve your ability to hodl. And not, you know, not let go when the, when the price goes down like it has, you know, 69,000 down to 15 or something. It's a that's a huge swing. A lot of people are like mocking us for like talking Bitcoin up at any time, even when it was like three grand or whatever number from years ago when I started. You know, those people who will remember, you know, they, they could look at it and go, well, it's oh, it's never going back to, you know, 69 or higher. I'm like, yeah, how do you know? You know, do you own any? Do you even pay attention? You know, those are the people who don't, they have no idea. They see a chart. They see a price went up and came down and, okay, it's never going back. What? Why? Like, there's a, so like, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of whatever, um, pe you know, people don't know. And, and that's what I think in the long run, if they're going to hold it, if they're going to realize why they should hold it, they are going to learn some additional amount of information. Will they ever get to your or my technical level knowledge or whatever? And, and mine's not even nearly as deep as many people. Uh, pro you know, for most people, no, no way. Most people and over over a long period of time, as society just adopts this as money, people will start to use Bitcoin and they'll never care about anything about Bitcoin. It'll just be their money. It's like people don't question the dollar now. They just use it. They don't care where it came from, how it's made. Maybe they get interested to watch a documentary about how they make the money. But otherwise, nobody gives a crap. But but we're in a revolution here. This is the first time in humanity that a new worldwide money, and I say worldwide because this is literally worldwide. Gold ended up being worldwide money, but it took a long time, right? Some There were places in the world that didn't use gold for centuries while other people were using it that whole time. So, you know, but Bitcoin just happened 14 years and it's all around the world. The humanity has never seen this. Like this is a once in a lifetime thing. This monetary network that's being adopted in real time. No one knows really what's going to happen. But the economics say it's going to each unit will keep growing in its, in its purchasing power into the future. That means that somebody will trade you more goods and services for the ability to control those digital units on a shared ledger that's on the Internet. Now, that was a quick summary about what Bitcoin actually is. And uh, I, I actually, can I take a minute and just do like like a summary for boomers do out it, there? Do it, yeah, Bitcoin? do it. Yeah, so what people don't get is Bitcoin is a shared ledger, right? So picture a, uh Excel spreadsheet with a bunch of boxes. And uh, there's an infinite amount of boxes, and we call those addresses. And in any box can be any amount of what we call Bitcoin, and which is simply a digital file. And um, the the spreadsheet 
uh, hat, like if you took a picture of it right now, you'd have a bunch of boxes with a bunch of Bitcoin in each of these different boxes, and there's millions of them. And every 10 minutes, uh, the Bitcoin network um, tries to update because people want to move these Bitcoin around. They want to move them from one box to another, which is the equivalent of spending them. So if somebody says, you know, I'll accept some Bitcoin, they provide me with a, a box or what we call an address, and I can send Bitcoin to it. But the network doesn't agree that that the Bitcoin moved from me to the other person until everybody updates their copy of this ledger. So how do you do that without a central person? Well, the people who put Bitcoin together, person or people, we, we refer to it as Satoshi Nakamoto, found a way to have anybody on the planet make changes to the ledger. As long as you follow the rules, you can say to the entire worldwide community, hey, I got a bunch of changes and I want to add them to the entire ledger and I want everybody to update their copy. And the whole network says, hold on, we need you to prove something to us. We need you to show us a number <laughs> lower than a target number. That's as simple as I can make it. And if the person wanting to change the record can do that, everybody agrees. It's, it's like kind of that simple. It's called Bitcoin mining. Miners are guessing numbers, millions, billions per second, trying to beat a target number set by the system. And if they get it, the changes that they want to add to the system, everybody will accept because everybody can can know through cryptography that they found a number that qualifies. And so now what we have is for the first time in human history, a triple entry accounting system where two people on either side of a transaction know that transaction, but so does everybody else. Uh, in Bitcoin, your name is not attached to them directly. But what's interesting is that other people can verify all these transactions and know that they're all legitimate because everybody can see the same update of the same ledger and trust whoever made the update because they followed the rules. And so this is this crazy shared ledger where if you control some files in some of these boxes, they can be used as money. People do it every day. And you can authorize a move to somebody else's box and you can then essentially pay them on this network that no individual controls. And so it's a protocol for moving digital files around. And um, because enough people have adopted it, this network is worldwide now and nobody, nobody individually or even a group controls it. Uh, the rules of the network that everybody's adopted and agreed to control it. And it's a self-regulating network is i'm not going to get into the depths of that but this this network actually speeds up and slows down without anybody's uh input and and so it's because of these unique features that allows you to be able to trust that if you own some digital files within the boxes on this ledger that if somebody sends you some or you want to send somebody else some that everybody on the planet's going to agree that's the bottom line everybody on the planet's going to agree on the state of the monetary network of the entire planet Right now, that is not even possible. There's not only too many of them. Governments aren't going to tell you. So this changes the game for money on this planet. And so anybody who's wondering about Bitcoin, dive deeper into what I just explained and learn what this is, man. This is an important concept in the way that money can be used by humans in this shared ledger format uh, over the Internet. So I don't know if I could say it any more simply. I hope that wasn't too long or too complicated. Beautiful. Hold on. <laughs> uh, you're getting good at the sound effects brother <laughs> let's go love it love it well yeah i mean I, i'm glad you i'm glad you did that because hey you never know maybe someone is new to bitcoin and just got this uh interview by chance this conversation by chance and they're still kind of confused on why we do what we do but yeah man i 
I could have I could have never put it that simply, Jim. I, I love I love the the metaphor and the illustration there. But let's get back to something that we talked about a little earlier. And I have it here in my notes as building on a strong foundation. But you kind of mentioned it a little bit ago about how something about holding Bitcoin has made you want to be healthier so that you can usher these oh, yeah. sets. Not only not only have you been able to build on a strong foundation for your health, but also for your future self, for, for the plans that you have in the future, for literally everything from you know the mental to the body to I can only suppose the spiritual. And it's all building on the strong foundation of Bitcoin because once you opt out of the fiat system and opt into Bitcoin, uh, you're no longer in the rat race. Like you're no longer on the treadmill, just just treading water. And this, there's something about it. It's like there was a meme going around Twitter, and it was the idea of like uh, a shitcoin being a piece of Lego, like a Lego piece, and Bitcoin being a brick where you can yeah, build yeah. cathedrals and you can yeah. build something of value that will last for eternity. And I don't, I don't know, like what better example than you saying, look. Ever since I got into Bitcoin, I got healthier so that I understood that my life might be longer and I need to usher in these sets. I think it's a part of our duty as Bitcoiners to not only, you know, get better in our in our education, but also our body. It's like this is our vessel and we're trying to usher in these sets for as long as possible. And now we have the best foundation to build on it. And it's like I said in the past, like having that Bitcoin Zen where you can finally relax, take a deep breath. And then refocus your energy into the projects and the things that you really want to do. It really, it it's like that's like the life changing. Uh, I don't know, uh, basic material substance that Bitcoin allows for us, where it's like your whole life just gets better because finally you're no longer, as Sailor says, you know, holding a melting ice cube or running in mud, or whatever illustration you want to put on. You're finally able to build on something for your future. And it doesn't rob you. And it literally changes your psychology. It probably rewires your psychology. I'm sure there's going to be some yeah. tests on on this in the future. But, I mean, I you're a that. living example of this, I think. Well, maybe. I don't know. I mean, my, I definitely think differently because I see the world differently. I understand some things that I didn't understand before. So, uh, you know, it, it, it definitely changes a lot. It changes your perspective for sure, which you know, sort of changes who you are, right? I mean, I definitely have different habits. Um, going back to you mentioned in the health thing, um, I had I had wanted to get healthier. And I saw, I the reason was I saw it in my diminished surfing abilities. I've been surfing my whole life since I'm a teenager. And, and luckily, I still surf at my advanced age. Um, but uh, but there was a time there I was I wasn't doing too good and most of my surf sessions really sucked and I felt like I was a total loser and I, it was like wait a minute what happened to all my my skills and then you know I got real and honest with myself when I was looking in the mirror one day after a shower and I said you're a fat old man look at you that's why you can't surf you idiot so you know what are you gonna do you gotta you gotta fix it or you know suffer or fix it I was like no way am I giving up my surfing no way. So I decided to, you know, start looking into health. And I, I, I first ran across intermittent fasting. So I shrunk my eating window down. I still was eating shit. And then uh, I got lucky. I, I'm, I'm, so one of my 
orange pill moments was um, I was listening to a podcast and I and it was somebody said, oh, you got to get on Twitter. If you want to learn about Bitcoin, you got to get on Twitter. You got to follow Twitter, pe- you know, Bitcoin people. I'm like, wow, Twitter. What the hell is that crap? You know, I'm, I'm an old guy. I didn't want to do that shit. But I said, all right, I'll get on Twitter. Then I start following people and I learn about this guy, Pierre Richard, and he's a New Yorker. And um, I was fortunate enough to meet him many times in person. There was meetings I ended up going to. But this was, I think, my first time. I don't think we had ever met. He posts a tweet and says, who wants to go to a steak dinner with me and Saifedean in New York City? And I look at the time, and it was like four minutes old. And the guy had like, you know, 50,000 followers at the time. I'm like, holy crap, he just posted that. I got to I gotta respond, hey, can I come? And, uh, I, and I think I might have said, you know, I'm, I'm close. I'm on Long Island. And he's like, yeah, you're in. So I was like, whoa. I get to go to a steak dinner and Safety Dean's book was already out, the Bitcoin standard. So I was like, holy shit, I get to go to dinner with these guys. And it's ended up being like 12 of us with and Safety Dean and and Pierre. And, um, oh shoot, what was my point going to be about? Uh, I think it was the carnivore story that you told me. Oh, thank you. Damn, it changed my, yeah. Oh, right. So it's at a steak restaurant. It's a steak dinner at a steak restaurant. And I don't know about this whole carnivore diet thing. There you go, Bitcoin standard. I don't know about a carnivore. I don't even know. I never even heard of of, of what that was. And safety was already a carnivore. And so during the course of the dinner, everybody got orange pills on carnivore eating. But we were at a house, and I already love steak, so I didn't care. But it, it dove me down that rabbit hole to uh, to learn more about that. And then that totally changed my life because it totally changed my health. And I learned that um, excess carbohydrates are the are the problem. Processed foods and seed oils are the problem. And a, a, a very, you know, ancestrally appropriate human diet is going to be whole foods, animal foods, protein and fat, and probably for many people, some carbs, but they're going to be in the form of fruits or vegetables. They're not going to be, you know, Cheerios or something, right? You know, potato chips or beer, or any of the things that are carbs that are just empty carbs and make people fat and inflamed and ruin your health. And so, you know, when I was looking in the mirror at the fat old guy that couldn't surf anymore, I realized it's because of my shitty diet. And I had to stop eating a lot of the stuff I loved. A friend of mine and I used to refer to pizza as vitamin P and you had to get some every day. And I pretty much ate pizza every day for decades. And now I eat pizza like three times a year or something like that because I still love it, but it's bad for me. Well, it you're in New York. Awesome, but, well, and there's such good pizza in New York. Holy shit. They freaking individual private pizzerias all over Long Island where I live. Really good ones. Like you'll never hear about them. It's not Papa John's chain all over the country. It's just mom and pop that know how to make really good pizza. And they're everywhere. But yeah, I just don't go anymore, man. All the regular pizzerias that used to see me probably think I died because I never go back. But whatever. And I'm way healthier now, too. I still go by. I can see the guy flipping pizzas in through the window, and he's still big and fat, and I'm not anymore. I'm like, all right, well, he works the pizzeria. <laughs> That's what you get. Yeah, so, you know, Bitcoin totally changed my health, you know. And I met some cool new friends. I'm friends with those guys now. It's great. And they're really great people, and they're super smart. So anybody who doesn't know Pierre Richard, follow him on Twitter and David Dean Amos. 100%. I wouldn't yeah. be here without uh, Pierre and Bitstein's noted podcast. Ah, those guys are so that's good. One, uh, that's one of the the signal that I, that I had yeah. to download to get to this point. But you mentioned surfing. And it wouldn't yeah. be, it wouldn't, it, I wouldn't have done this, this pod justice 
if we didn't bring this to surfing at some point of this conversation, I too also grew up in the ocean. I, I don't even remember the first time I was ever in the ocean. Like that's how long I've been in the ocean. I don't remember learning how to surf. I've <laughs> just, I've always been in the water as far as I can remember. I've been in the ocean and I'm going to take this in two directions and then I I'm, will also lead it into a third direction. But the first one is uh, before Bitcoin, I kind of considered myself a surf bum. Uh, I didn't want to do anything but go to the beach. I just wanted to chill, get sun, go to the beach, look at girls in bikinis and <laughs> just do that until I got old. And then, you know, life happens. It gets a little hard. I've told this story before and, and you start to reevaluate your life. And then I found Bitcoin. And it literally changed everything about me. It changed my motivation. It changed my outlook into the future. And I still, you know, hope to one day uh, have the the American dream white picket fence. But it's obviously going to be near the ocean. This is that's <laughs> that's just how I was raised. You know, this is where I yeah. come from. But I've heard you say this in the past, and I totally agree of this. And I, I never really thought of it in this in this uh, frame. But the the proof of work lifestyle of being a surfer like it looks so easy when you watch people surf you know it looks it, you you see people on the waves you're like man that looks so nice it's so it looks so easy it looks so majestic and then you get on the wave and it's a lot more difficult than you could ever imagine and then you kind of understand and i say it all the time proof of work is a lifestyle philosophy and by that we mean and maybe this goes back to the question i asked you earlier about can people learn bitcoin through osmosis it's like you need to put in that work to become a better surfer. You need to put in that work to become better at anything in life. And uh, it's just it's just very interesting that once you understand this proof of work uh, philosophy, this this point of view, you can literally take that into every aspect of your life. And you're like, okay, have I put in the work to become a better whatever, better blank in any aspect of your life, whether it's you know better health, uh, better fitness, better education, you know, better you know, hobby, project, whatever it is. And I always break it down into, have I put in the work? Am I putting in the right work? Not only, uh, you know, putting in the hours, but am I putting in the work correctly? Like the meme, don't work harder, work smarter. And I know, I know you understand this because I've literally stole this meme from you. The, the proof of work behind <laughs> surfing is, is really, I mean, and I don't want to say it, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, the the pinnacle of, of every other human sports or what have you or any other human endeavors. But it really is, in my opinion, one of the most majestic things that humans ever done. Like I can only imagine, you know, the first person to ever want to go surfing is like the same idea of like uh, the cryptography forefathers before Bitcoin that were like, all right, we're going to make a digital money. It's going to be digitally scarce. And then, you know, through the reiterations over time, Satoshi comes out and just rides that perfect wave. And here we are. And we're just riding <laughs> the ripples of that. Like, yeah, I don't that's know. A good it, it's, I know you can talk about the proof of work lifestyle because you're living it. And I, th I think this is one of the things that I try to explain to people the most is like, look, what do you want out of life? Like put in the work. And then by you putting in the work and you being a shining example of being a better person, other people will want what you want. And those ripples will just continuously ripple out and new people will spark new people and more people will spark, you know, new movements. And here we are. And we're all going to be riding the Bitcoin wave cycles after cycles and going into infinity as number go up. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, all right. Do you want me to address that whole proof of work? Yeah. Jump in, <laughs> jump in. So um, 
when I was learning about Bitcoin, my third touch, I was listening to a podcast and a woman described the Bitcoin system as a, a system you could trust without trusting the people that are using it. And I built an entire business now over 30 years in construction based entirely on trust because I work on a barrier island called Fire Island and the people whose homes I work on are never there when I work on them. So they have to trust that I'm not cutting corners. And a long time ago, I started sending photographs to people so they could see the work was getting done before digital photography. And then I started emailing as a, as a proof of work that they could see I was getting it done. And it's that kind of thing that builds a reputation and allows you to have like a, you know, um, a business that lasts and a reputation that, you know, people want to give your name out. I mean, for all those years, I really never advertise. I, I constantly get, get work from word of mouth because people are happy with the work I do. But I also prove it. I show them that I'm doing the work. I, I show them inside the wall before I close it up that, you know, things got repaired, whatever it might be, whatever the scope of the job is. And uh, when it comes to surfing, <laughs> I've met plenty of people that say they can surf until you paddle out with them. And, you know, <laughs> you can tell they haven't put in the work. So, like, so the, the, the crazy thing about surfing is what makes it so hard ultimately is because the playing field is moving. I can't think of another sport where the playing field is also moving along with you and maybe some apparatus like, you know, like a bicycle you're on or in this case, a surfboard or, you know, a ball you're manipulating, you know, so there's other moving objects. But the playing field, like, I don't know, I can't think of another sport. And so, like, you don't get like conditions to learn on that are always the same. Now, there's a handful of exceptions in the world, certain surf spots in the world that are having to get consistent waves that are actually very much the same a lot of days. Whereas a place where, like where I live, waves are very different and very infrequent. So it becomes much harder to learn because you can't just go next Tuesday at 10 a.m. when you're off from work or something. You have to go when the waves are provided. And so you have to put in the freaking work. If you're going to ride a wave and actually ride a wave, and you don't even have to do it good, but even just to get to your feet and ride the wave without crashing takes quite a while. I mean, if you're really good months, uh, you know, the average person is not going to learn in a day. I mean, again, unless you're at one of these places like Waikiki in Hawaii, almost anybody could learn to surf there in a day, believe it or not. But it's not like full on surfing. You're riding a little tiny bump straight towards the beach. <laughs> it's surfing, but not really. Uh, but, you know, re really surfing um, at any halfway decent level, you got to put in a, a good amount of time. And anybody who's done it can easily spot the people who haven't. I mean, it's, it's just not that hard. They're just not that good. They haven't figured it out. And, you know, like, so there's principles involved. Like the wave is moving towards the beach at a certain speed. You have to figure that out. You have to align with nature. You don't have a choice. Um, you have to balance with the, with the shape of the wave. You have to turn your board with the fin configuration and the outline shape of the board. It's going gonna, it's gonna to operate in the wave face different than a board of a different shape. All these things you have to, you have to feel, you have to learn. And it just takes a lot of time. But there's literal physics involved. There's, there's actual, you know, stuff that you don't get to control. And, and a little bit like in Bitcoin, like, you know, the protocol is there. It, it's going to operate whether you agree or not, whether you join or don't. But if you want to get Bitcoin or like when we talk a proof of work in Bitcoin, which you referenced, but we didn't explain it to anybody who's listening for the first time. Proof of work happens to do with that. Uh, what I referenced earlier, this thing called mining, where people can um, alter the ledger. And everybody agrees. But in their altering of the ledger and in their um, guessing that special number, they've expended electricity. Everybody on the network can verify that that's true or they couldn't have gotten that special number. And in 
a reward for that. They get brand new Bitcoin that are birthed into the system. That's what incentivizes people to to do this because they believe they're going to get some Bitcoin that's going to have some value into the future. And so, you know, this this is all part of what we call proof of work. That is, these guys that are adding changes to this shared worldwide ledger are getting rewarded in Bitcoin because they went out and ran a bunch of computers and proved uh, that they spent money on electricity because they got this number and everybody recognizes it takes a shit ton of electricity to get that number, billions of guesses. So this is a really interesting concept, but nobody can make money in this system without working for it. That's the bottom line. The people that create fiat money in this world don't do any work. They push a button on a computer and they get it for free. And that is a completely unfair system. And of course, every time they add units to the system, which they've done over the past bunch of years, a shit ton of units, you get inflation, right? And everybody suffers. In the Bitcoin network, there's a known number of units. There'll never be more than 21 million. Everybody knows that. The issuance rate is already set. Everybody knows how many new ones are going to show up every day, roughly. There is a little fluctuation. I'm not going to get into it, but that goes back to the self-adjusting mechanism I talked to you before. But roughly every 10 minutes, right now, six and a quarter of new Bitcoin show up every day. So roughly 900 a day, and that's going to keep going for about another year. And then that's going to get cut in half. And this is part of the issuance schedule. And everybody knows that's coming. And all of a sudden, those people trying to get those Bitcoin, they're going to get half as much for the same amount of work. And that'll readjust the network a little bit, and we can go deeper and deeper. But let's let's continue. Continue, my friend. <laughs> love it. I love it. Uh, there's, a, there's a few points that you mentioned in regards to surfing. And then I instantly, uh, obviously, I'm a Bitcoiner. All I think about is Bitcoin. And I, and I related it to the fiat system. The first one you said is when you're learning to surf, the playing field is constantly moving. And my initial thought was like, oh, that's just like fiat. You know, the rules are always changing. The game <laughs> is go, always right? changing. Like that's it's always changing to something dude. new. Like yeah. it's always something new. There's always a new rule, you know, that's always new inflation. Yeah. There's always a new law, new taxes. And it's like the game right. is always changing. And then the next one, and this is something I talk about all the time. And it's uh, what you said, you know, when, when you're surfing, like you got to align with nature. And in my opinion, you know, Bitcoin is, is natural money. Uh, maybe that's not like the actual uh, dictionary definition of it. But as we say, you know, proof of work is literally connected to nature and now our money is backed by energy and i always say to people just like align with the network align with energy align with the with nature and your life will get better like you will get blessed and so fiat align with a fair system exactly fair and fiat system. is a monstrosity and yeah, it's yeah. so detached from reality hey that, we gotta, we gotta oh, say something here. They're, they're in the chat Yellow wants us to say, hey, guys, say something. I'm live on DSB Spaces. People can hear you. Don't All stop right. believing faces. Oh, so that's what that is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Yellow. Oh, Yellow, hold on, up, hold on, hold on. I got something for great. you. Love you. No, <laughs> no. Don't stop believing. <laughs> Good. I love it. I love it. That's great. <laughs> we got Yo, you. Somebody else asked earlier about confirmations. I want to scroll back. What is the maximum number of confirmations? Bitcoin channel, whoever that is. Uh, Maximum of confirmations for a transaction will ever have or transactions will keep confirming forever. Correct. The more blocks that get added to the chain, that's another essentially another confirmation. When we when we say a confirmation, we're talking about, you know, did your transaction get in a block? And then once there's another block, that's another like confirmation on top of the first one, the first block that you ended up in. And then your transaction stays in that block forever. And every block that gets added is essentially another confirmation. Yes, it gets deeper and deeper and it gets more and more secure. 
All right, Jim. I uh, love it. Love it. But before we go on, um, yeah. I want to tell you this personally live on the space, but we got a really cool comment on the, or personally live on the YouTube, but we got a cool comment on the space. Uh, this is by Steve B and he goes, surfer, Jim, I am the same age as you. I've got some extra pounds to lose and you have inspired me to finally lose them once and for all. I've been procrastinating for the past few years. It has to be done. Thank you. That's so awesome, in man. real time, the proof of work message is helping people out there. And I got two more questions. I told you I'd only take an hour of your time tonight. No problem, bro. We might, you know, might go a little over an hour, but I think uh, the first one has to do on, of course, another cliche on surfing. And I said it earlier, it's, it's on surfing the Bitcoin waves or surfing the Bitcoin cycles. I know you've been around uh, Bitcoin for, for a few years. I think you've been in a couple years before me and we're just in another Bitcoin bear market. So yeah. will number go up, Phil, or <laughs> Phil uh, Jim, like, will we see all of our dreams get filled? Because <laughs> I know there's people out there that are, that are concerned, obviously, you know, you know, where, where, what I view, I, I, yeah, I wow. put all my eggs into this basket. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we are going well, to you know, I, I probably wouldn't be on this show if I didn't believe that the value of Bitcoin is going to keep going up, you know, and I've said it a number of times already, essentially answered the question already, because it, it boils down to the way it works. It boils down to the scarce nature and it goes back to the theory of money. Money became money because humans figured out a way to transfer value, but it only worked if the item doing the transfer was fairly scarce. And then it had to have a few other qualities. This is what you learn in learning monetary history. Money should have uh, transportability, uh, verifiability. Um, it should be fungible, which means one unit is like the other, like any other unit, which what, what humans figured out. And scarcity, one of the biggest things. It can't be a lot of it. Sand doesn't make a good money. Anybody can go get some at the beach, right? But something like gold does because it's a, it's a precious metal in the sense that it doesn't rot away. So it lasts for a long period of time. Uh, there's not a lot of it. It takes a lot of work to get it. And that gives it value. Like gold has proof of work behind it. Gold doesn't show up on the earth unless somebody went and dug it out, which meant somebody put work behind it. So it immediately gets value. That's why Bitcoin has value immediately, because somebody put work into it by spending electricity to add uh, changes to that shared ledger. So, um, so wait, what was the original question? How did you phrase it? I'm sorry. Well, Number go up. That was oh, a nice number go up. Yes, yes. thank you. Something thank about you. surfing in the Bitcoin waves Whatever. and what number no, no, go no. up. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to reference. You know why? All right. So basically, you know, all these features about the way Bitcoin works and economics and money lead you to understand that because of the way the system has been bootstrapped over 14 years, and I will say it this way on purpose, because when it was young, it could have been destroyed. It could have been co-opted. It could have been broken. It might not have gotten to where it is today, but. Once you learn the history, you realize at this point that it's not likely to ever go away. It's kind of impossible to shut down this worldwide network at this point. So once you understand a bunch of really key features about Bitcoin, it's hard to imagine that the value of each unit won't go up. It just is because it's just got too many benefits for human beings. And so as creatures that are constantly looking out for our own best interest, everybody does this. We all make millions of decisions every day to remove current and future uneasiness from our lives, even as simple as shifting in your chair because your butt hurts, right? So we make these decisions because we're either uncomfortable now or we don't want to be uncomfortable in the future. And once you understand about storing your value, what you go to work for, the money that you earn, once you realize that you could store that value in Bitcoin, 
you realize that you know you you got to make some adjustments in your life you you got to you got to figure this you know it's it's a way to save your value into the future and the idea is that because the way the system works you you can put some value in it at current purchasing price you know what you know hundred thousand what would that buy you today and that same amount of satoshis or fractions of a bitcoin is likely to buy you much more than the equivalent of a hundred thousand in the future and so you're saving this your hard-earned productivity out into the future so yeah will number go up i think pretty much guaranteed uh, you know nothing's guaranteed but yeah kind of i think it is i think it's guaranteed sorry <laughs> as, uh, btc this is not financial said, advice i'm sorry yeah. number's going as, up folks yeah the btc boom guy says designed to pump forever let's it go actually it literally think- is it's designed to pump because it, it everything about bitcoin um goes towards personal human nature like everybody who gets involved in bitcoin is incentivized to act in a way that will not break bitcoin right now so that's like a that's like a kind of important understanding. Like everybody's incentivized to make it keep working. And that's why it keeps working. And that's why it's gonna keep working, because there's no good reason to break the system, honestly. If you could hack the system and steal someone's Bitcoin, your Bitcoin you just stole and just got worth nothing. So what's the point? Right? Like like people would want to try and steal like you can steal someone's Bitcoin as long as you didn't break the network. So you can find someone's password, their private key, and steal their Bitcoin. That's not the same as breaking the Bitcoin protocol. If you were to go out and break the Bitcoin protocol so that you could like create Bitcoin out of thin air or somehow steal someone's Bitcoin without knowing their private key or some weird way to break the network, then the Bitcoin you just stole is worthless and so is the entire network. So as long as it can resist that attack, it's going to keep going up in value. I mean, like there's just no stopping it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Love it. And Not financial I, advice. Okay. Well, I got. Uh, I still got the soundboard, and it's going up forever, Laura. So <laughs> there you All go. Right. Last like, question. Uh, Last question, Jim. And yeah. uh, I think this is a question that I'm going to ask everyone that comes on here now. I think it's a, a great way to wrap up this conversation, and and furthermore, uh, put a pin on everything that we talked about. So. I've asked this before, and I'm going to continue to ask this. Is Bitcoin the greatest invention ever? Oh, yeah. No, it's not an invention, though. It's a discovery. Let's go. So let me just, you know, my my crazy-ass perspective on that. Nothing's invented. Everything is discovered, right? Somebody gets curious. I wonder what would happen if I did that. And they discover what would happen, right? That's it. People discovered math. They discovered the concept of numbers. They discovered digital circuits. Everybody, Everything's just built on another discovery by some curiosity. And then they call it an invention because somebody rearranged some molecules on the planet. Like the molecules were already here, right? And now they're in a different shape and you call it an invention. No, you just discovered a new rearrangement of something that does something different. That was always going to happen, by the way. The physics of that had nothing to do with you. You just happen to be the guy who thought of it and showed the world that, it, that it's out there. That's it. That's all it is. Everything's a discovery. Sorry. But it's the most important discovery in all of human history. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Okay. Take Let's another go. Tell you why. All right. So money as a construct is human invented. There is no natural money. Money is a construct that got turned into things. Right. The best thing we found to turn it into before Bitcoin was gold. But then humans figured out how to co-opt the gold and turn it into paper and then make tons of it and then 
debase it and do all the things they did. But because humans invented the construct of money, we were able to move from a barter society to a specialized society where everybody could do one thing, but still get everything else they might want by this intermediary thing called money. So money also is known as what uh, goes by something that we call the most saleable good. So with money, you can buy anything and with anything you can buy money. Uh, so money is exchangeable for all goods and all services. And so it's in the middle of every trade and it allows people to specialize. And then therefore new things get invented or discovered because somebody goes off into some part of the world and thinks of how to use natural resources in a way nobody else did. And there's all of a sudden a new invention, right? So um, the world prospered. We have everything around us because somebody thought of it and then created it. And they created it with the help of money. Without money, we would still be living in little tribes, you know, with fires around the, you know, cooking off food around the campfire, whatever. Because you, you can't expand unless people could specialize and you can't specialize easily if you have to barter. So money transformed all of humanity. So that's money. The concept or the construct of money was the most important thing that humans ever conceived of because it gave us all the prosperity we get to enjoy and, and for the future. Now, the best form of money, therefore, then, by definition, becomes the most important discovery in all of human history. And I believe Bitcoin is that best form of money. So to me, Bitcoin is the most important discovery in all of human history. It helps everybody equally and fairly. That's it, right? Like, how can you argue with something like that? That's really cool. That's, like, really cool. Uh, sorry, but whatever. That's my take. You get the horns for that one. All, right. all right. Well, Jim, uh, like I told you, I was going to keep it around an hour. Obviously, you and I could probably talk for at least another one or two, even probably yeah, three sure. hours about this. But, man, I really appreciate this. I had a great time. I hope that you guys out there got some not only inspiration, but also motivation to be a better person. So, Jim, uh, what, what are you working on? What do you want people to know that you're doing? I got your Twitter here, so if people want to follow you. But uh, I don't know. How about last words of advice, and then we can roll this one out? All right, get rid of that pot belly, all you fat old men. It's not that hard. Get rid of the carbs. It'll just melt away. You don't even have to do a lot of extra exercise, I promise. Just don't eat a lot of carbs. That's like the main thing. Uh, what am I doing? I'm still trying to go surfing as much as possible, but it's freaking cold in New York right now, so it's not fun. So I don't surf much. I actually took up skateboarding again, which is crazy for a guy my age, but I, I can still do that. Okay. Uh, but um, many people know that I'm working on the Long Island Surf Park, which is now uh, branded Crest uh, Surf Clubs. We're building a, um, a giant wave pool here on Long Island where you're going to be able to surf seven foot waves all year round. Uh, so that's a project I've been involved with for seven years now. I'm also involved in a project in Baja to build an off-grid, self-sustainable community of Bitcoiners. We have a Telegram channel with over 50 people in it from around the world. My good friend, Jimmy, goes by CryptoZero on Twitter. Um, it's, his, it's his vision. Uh, he owns the land, and we're in the process of figuring out how to make it a giant community property with a you know, community center, all built around education, sound money, self-sustainability, our own livestock, everything, our own you know, water, electric, everything. So that's, that gets me pretty excited because, you know, in the the latter half, the latter part of my life, I don't want to live in New York anymore. It's too cold. I'd rather be in Baja, a mile off the ocean, you know, paddle out every day in baggies or whatever. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that in my future. And and then, you know, just on the on the bigger thing, like I mentioned earlier, I've been a contractor building custom homes for over 30 years, and uh, I'm ready to stop doing that and devote my life to Bitcoin education. I have no specific plans to 
start a you know, school or, or anything, but just doing this kind of stuff. I just like talking about it and helping people understand it. And I'm pretty much going to just devote my life to helping people understand what I see and, uh, you know, see if they can see it as well. And, and hopefully they benefit. Like, I'm not doing this because I want to get rich. I'm doing this so the planet gets better. Honestly, I'm doing it for my heirs, the people that I love that are going to be here after I'm gone, you know, and I would love to see the planet start to get better. I've watched it get worse in my lifetime and it's hard to believe. I didn't think that would happen. The last two years are a sober reminder that people are nuts and they can destroy the world pretty quick if you give the wrong people too much power, which is the current case. And I will say it's because they control the money. And once they can't control the money, if everybody gets on a Bitcoin standard, all the shit we just saw the last two, two years, that goes away. People aren't going to be pushing you around, telling you to wear a freaking mask or take some chemicals you don't want to take. That ain't going to happen under a Bitcoin standard. So everybody needs to get on board here and get some freaking Bitcoin and disenfranchise these bastards that are screwing the world over right now. All those people in uh, Davos right now, anybody got a bomb you could drop on those people? We just need to get rid of all of them. They're just <laughs> destroying the world, those parasites. They suck, those people, man. That's why they got 5,000 armed guards around the whole place. They all know they're a freaking big-ass target, man. They got a lot of enemies out in the world because those people are freaking evil. Evil. All right. Can confirm. Hold on. Yeah, listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Well, Jim, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I think the people enjoyed this as well. So just uh, hang out for a second behind the scenes as I roll this one out, and uh, and then and then we can uh, have our night. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we are going to continue down the TTO rabbit hole. I'm going to bring on more friends on here, more Bitcoiners that I think have interesting stories that have just what I like to talk about, man. Just the cultural effects of Bitcoin, how Bitcoin literally alters your life, how Bitcoin saves you, how Bitcoin gives you a second life. And so I hope you guys got inspired. I hope you guys continue down the rabbit hole. I go. I hope you guys continue down the fitness rabbit hole. Get yourself fit mentally, spiritually, and physically. And as well, get yourself fit financially. And this is what we're doing here as Bitcoiners. So tune in tomorrow for the normal show. Actually, also, speaking of Pierre Rochard, he is coming tomorrow for the IRL. So stay tuned tomorrow. We got all kinds of content for you guys. And we'll be back. I think I got uh, I got some some more friends coming into the show next week and the following week. So I hope you like these conversations. Let me know. I will figure out what's going on with all the audio stuff so that you guys get the best listening experience possible. But I hope you enjoyed tonight. Go have a good night. Go eat your steak. Go go do some workouts. Go sit in the sauna. Make sure you guys are getting yourself mentally prepared for what's going to come. It will be a crazy year. So enjoy yourselves. Have a good night. And I will see you tomorrow. Peace out.